Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So, talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com. Are you in fashion? fashion? Fashion. Did you see what she's wearing for Tom's shoes? I'm Sonia Sly. My heels are killing me. Um, but I was told I have a backstage pass. You will need to get the right pass to get behind me, Pam. Look, I need to go. Code red, code red, code. We have a situation. I'm taking you inside the fashion industry to discuss trends, the reality behind the glamour, and the highs and lows of a fast-paced industry that never stops. The brand's motto is outdoors every day. I think we're sort of acknowledging that that actually could mean a lot of different things to different people. Um, Quentin Hart is the head designer for yeah, Swan Dry. We're, we're Based in Christchurch, he travels between New Zealand and Milan, sourcing textiles and keeping his eye on international trends. But he hasn't always designed for the great outdoors. He started out his career as a design assistant for Jasper Conran before he was swiftly snapped up to design for Tom Ford. Yeah, within three years of leaving uni, I, I was I was there working with um, Tom Ford as a men's designer, and from 2007, and that was an exciting time and a bit of a whirlwind, actually, to tell you the truth. I loved the work that I was doing. I mean, it was absolutely fantastic being able to work with um, manufacturers on that level. There, there was no limit to um, to resource and what was possible. So, in terms of design, that was really exciting because um, you know it, it was. Part of the, the the general design brief was that everything's got to be you know absolute top spec and everything's got to be considered. So I loved that part of it, but I mean there's there's a definite um, culture at, at that you know at that end of the industry, which is a certain thing. Um, it is what it is, and <laughs> can I, you be I, more specific? It's very high fashion. And what and Quentin means by that is personally, I'm actually not really. I think that after a while there, I kind of came to realise that the world that I was in possibly wasn't the world that suited me best, and so I decided to move on, yeah. What was he like to work with? Well, I mean, I, I worked quite closely with him, actually, so you know, I got to know him reasonably well, and, you know, what was he like? Well, it would depend a lot on what kind of mood he was in that day. He obviously had high expectations of all of his staff. He liked a, a dynamic environment, you know, put drinks on at the end of the week and that sort of thing, and... But it was hard work at the same time. There weren't really defined work hours. You just had to keep on going until you got it done and, and not getting it done was not an option. And it being Quentin started working with Tom just as the business was getting off the ground, literally. Tom Ford had made his mark at the helm of Gucci before his appointment as creative director for Yves Saint Laurent. So starting his own label was an exciting new venture for everyone. I turned up there expecting to see, you know, a big flash building, and actually it hadn't even been fitted out. I walked into the room and there was the design director who was, you know, my who I reported to immediately, and then and Tom there sitting around the table with a series of ideas, and I just sort of realised at that time, wow, this is history in the making in in the fashion industry. Do you have any kind of crazy experiences that you can recall, or what was one of the most memorable moments? 
I mean, the whole the whole experience of spending a lot of time in Italy was was fantastic. You know, when the business officially launched and first store they opened in Madison Avenue in New York, and the opening party there, I mean, that was crazy. I mean, we had all kinds of celebrities turning up, and it was the high end industry in full swing. And I suppose that was really quite eye opening when you when you realise that it doesn't really get much higher up than that. Just the general way that everyone operates and, you know, the opulence and no expense spared from catering down to fit-outs and it's pure luxury all the way, so... Is that kind of intimidating, that being immersed in that sort of... those kinds of environments and around those sort of people? And even, like, working with Tom, is that intimidating? Well, I mean, yeah, definitely at first it was and the, the whole atmosphere was intimidating to me at first because it was really quite alien to me. But um, the amount of time that I, that I spent there working throughout the weeks, it quickly becomes not so intimidating and you just have to kind of get on with it. But it's something that if you, you walk into a high-end shop, say, you know, you, you're kind of conscious of you know, people are watching you and you, you don't feel like you can fully just grab a jacket and chuck it on, mm-hmm. although in reality you can. It, it is just a shop, but... Um, I can see how it is intimidating, yeah. What did you have your sights set on? If you look back now, I mean, was it an upward trajectory of kind of working across with different, you know, established, high-profile designers? Because obviously you didn't kind of see this coming, that you'd stay in New Zealand. No, I mean, to tell you the truth, back then I don't really think I I knew exactly... um, what I was going to do next. I mean, having just left Tom Ford, I did actually, you know, start to 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 talk with Burberry in London about working with them. And I decided though early on that I would take some time and actually just come back down to reality because I have to say, you know, the high end of the fashion industry is it's a little bit of a bubble. And I'll be careful what I say here, but I think there's a lot of emphasis is, is placed on having to look a certain way and talk a certain way and being seen with certain people. And I kind of just wanted to end up somewhere which was a little bit more me, a little bit more real, I suppose. Because essentially, I mean, you had the dream job. You were in the stream position that anyone in the fashion industry, you know, coming up through any of the fashion institutions would have killed to be in your shoes, essentially. Yeah. I mean, and you, you seem really... I don't know, kind of pragmatic about it all and you say it felt like a dream, but that was your reality. It's a bizarre culture to work in and I went into that place kind of being a little bit naive, I suppose, at how it all works and, you know, there are lots of politics and that sort of thing. I don't want to make it sound like it it wasn't a good time because it absolutely was, I mean, it was amazing. But over time, I think I just came to realise that, you know, great as it was, I wanted to do more than just that and this this sounds trivial but I I, I love going snowboarding it wasn't possible I had to take four weeks holiday in August and that sort of thing so I guess what I'm trying to say is I just wanted to um you wanted a life (laughs) I wanted a life and I wanted to see a bit more of the world and I kind of came to realize if I stay in a position where I'm within a certain context in a bubble that might end up being what I become and actually I just made the decision that um it's been good and it's time to move on. And um, like I said, I came to Quentin inadvertently really transitioned away from that world eight years ago when he found himself in New Zealand, where he never left. I just really wanted a change of scene, and so I ended up unintentionally 
emigrating out here. I, I came out here actually to to visit a mate of mine who who had recently moved to Christchurch and he was working um, on punting on the Avon. So I ended up on the back of the punt pushing uh, tourists up and down the river. So before you came on board with Swan Dry, you also worked as a designer for MacPack and founded a brand called Alchemy, which is kind of like a modern, active outdoor wear um, brand. I mean, yep. did, did those experiences give you kind of more of an insight into the reality of what Kiwis need in terms of like that outdoor lifestyle? Yeah, I suppose so. I mean, it was a, it was a learning experience. I mean, obviously, my background in professionally is more in the high end and tailoring. But I mean, my personal interests definitely include you know, being outdoors, and so it wasn't at all something that was alien to me. I guess more just spending time in New Zealand and um, and getting out and about and looking at what people are wearing and kind of getting used to the culture. You know, it, it's soon apparent that you know things need to be no nonsense. It you know helped me get an idea of where I was and and um, how that would relate to my work. That being head designer for Swan Dry and a definitive breakaway from the glitz and glamour of that fashion bubble that never really felt quite right. I've been working with Swan Dry for for just over a year now, so, I mean, obviously since I've come on, the the outlook of the brand has changed, but um, the the brief is really to expand on on what what the brand can mean and represent within New Zealand um, and overseas for that matter. It is so culturally embedded. If we look at like the quintessential Kiwi bloke, what are his needs these days, and how does that compare to the modern, you know, kind of fashion-forward modern man? Clearly, in New Zealand, you know, people are very practical, and there's a definite need for things to be functional first and foremost, and you know, it has to be well-made. And I mean, I think there's there's a growing need for clothing in general to be more versatile these days. People are expecting more, and to be able to use a certain garment in a number of different contexts. But I think we've kind of entered an age where there is also a need for style and people like to, you know, look good as well as battle the elements. And what we're trying to do is, you know, address that without, you know, taking anything away from the heritage. Because do you still have those staple, was that the black and red or black and blue checkered heavy woolen... Bush shirts. That's what I think of when I think of Swan Dry. Yeah, you know? I mean, most people do. So, uh, you know, the classic Swanny styles are remaining unchanged. You really want to emphasise that, actually, because we understand that you know, we are uh, custodians of an important part of New Zealand heritage. That The iconic red and black and blue and black check, and the green and black, for that matter, um, are definitely still there, yeah. And we're looking at ways to, to subtly use that uh, and bring that into garments which otherwise wouldn't necessarily have an attachment with that. What are we talking, like, some cut shirts or...? Well, yeah, I mean, I think if you're actually out there working, you need things to be a little bit looser-fitting just for practical reasons. It's certainly, um, we, we are producing some garments which are slimmer-fitting, but, um, you know, I hesitate to use the word fashion, but I think that we're kind of acknowledging that there is a need for some style to be added into parts of the range to to allow them to, to sort of be truly versatile. I mean, that's pretty exciting, isn't it? Don't you think? I mean, you know, the modern Kiwi guy who might happen to also, you know, work in a rural area is probably more fashion conscious or a bit more, you know, cosmopolitan to some degree than, you know, 10 years or 15 years ago. 
Yeah, definitely. And I think if you look at Swandrow, and the brand itself is 103 years old, so that's pretty good by um, by Kiwi standards, I think. I mean, is it challenging though, as a highly creative person, as a designer, to be working within the confines of a brief that is quite narrow, really? Isn't it? Well, it is and it isn't. I mean, I was having a conversation earlier today about this, and actually, it, it it's quite helpful to have that that box that you've got to work in. In in a funny way, it sort of helps channel that creativity because you've got a a blank page to work on, but there's definite borders there. Whereas if it's a, a blank page which, which there's no edge to, it literally just means that you know you, you could do anything. So, I mean, it's an interesting time to be in the fashion industry right now because of that kind of crossover with sportswear and active wear and the way it's sort of impacted on sort of high street fashion and even runway trends. So has that worked positively for Swan Dry as well, do you think? As a brand, Swan Dry is realising that that is happening. It is a change in the in the market and the industry as a whole. So ultimately that's, that's probably the reason why I've ended up working with them is to develop on that to modernize the brand without actually changing it the main way i'm going about it is making sure i don't really mess with the iconic original pieces even though you know possibly some of them could be changed in some way is even changing up the pockets or something or i don't know can you more just maybe like the, the, the the fit and things but i mean the way we're going about it is to add to that rather than to reinvent it. Now, Swan Dry is also showing at ID Fashion Week in Dunedin, and I take it that's a first? That's the first time, yeah. Yeah, why the need to hit the runway now? <laughs> well, I mean, I think it's in acknowledgement that there is actually something to show that, that's new for the brand, and so there will be a, a, a nod to the past and the heritage of the, of the brand. I think it's actually you know, quite fitting that that is put on the catwalk and that is a statement that this is a, a style-led collection. And what would you say about the palette? Is it an autumn-winter collection? The first collection, yeah, is autumn-winter. It's fairly muted, actually. You know, obviously, there's the, um, the, the classic strong red and the strong blue, and that is carried through into some of the, the shirts and things. There are some highlight checks and that sort of thing. With the trousers and jackets, there's nothing too challenging there for people, I think. Um, you know, lots of greys and blacks, olivey country-type colours. Lastly, I mean, clearly, you know, you're living in New Zealand now. You still get to go overseas. But are you living your kind of version of your ultimate dream or your ultimate reality now that you're in New Zealand? Absolutely. I mean, it, it's amazing for me to be somewhere... Like Christchurch, where you know there's a lot going on we're right by the sea, we're close to the mountains, and you know I love surfing and snowboarding and and being outdoors. But um, being somewhere like this and being able to to do my work as a fashion designer, I've, I've got to say it's probably quite unusual, really. Probably I'm living the dream, really. Yeah, I, I love it. That was Quentin Hart, head designer for Swan Dry. You've been listening to My Heels Are Killing Me. I'm Sonia Sly. To find out more or to listen again, head to our podcast page on the rnz.co.nz website. Head over to Hulu this March, where our new shows and movies will keep you streaming all month long. 
Catch the acclaimed movie All of Us Strangers, starring Paul Mescal and Andrew Scott. Stream the new Hulu original limited series, We Were the Lucky Ones, with Joey King and Logan Lerman. And don't forget about Grey's Anatomy. Every Grey's episode ever is now streaming on Hulu. So, what are you waiting for? Go stream something new on Hulu.